Welcome back, everybody. This is Kimberly Bell with You Are Good Enough, and today I'm honored to be speaking with my brother, Dr. Rob Bell. Rob is a mental toughness coach, author, speaker. Um, he is a sports psychologist coach, and Rob has actually, uh, he's written six books on mental, all on mental toughness. He just did the Ironman, and Rob has, uh, he's a sports psychology coach for the University of Notre Dame, and has worked with Indy 11 professional soccer, uh, with winners on the PGA Tour, an Olympic silver medalist, ATP champion, and the 2013 USTA national champion. So um, he's spoken at numerous events and lots of engagements, lots of writing, and I'm, I'm psyched to have you with me today, Rob, Dr. Rob. Um, how are you? Good, Kimberly, thanks for having me. Thank you, Rob. Um, big so sis. What, sis? Big, big sis. Big sis, I know, exactly. Um, so, you know, I, so I'm gonna say a few things that I haven't really shared with you before because oftentimes when we're talking, it seems like we're talking about maybe more family-related subjects. Um, and I've shared a little bit of this with you, but I just want to say that I love your message. Okay. I, I love your message. I love what you're all about. And I just find it, I've been doing some more introspection here with, between you and I, you know, through reading your books and through watching some of your stuff, your, your pot, you know, listening and seeing your podcast, those types of things. And we have a lot in common. It's funny. So Rob and I are 12 years apart. Um, so we didn't necessarily grow up together in that sense. And there was a huge chunk of time when we really weren't in a lot of contact because I was, I was that kid, 18 years old and in my twenties, really trying to find myself, right. Which we're all probably still trying to do, but there was a huge chunk of time when Rob and I were not really in a lot of communication, but it's so awesome and exciting for me to read your stuff and see that we think very similarly about all kinds of things. Like you use sports, you know, um, a lot of experience through working with teams because that's a huge way to learn about life. It's a huge way to learn how to inspire, inspire yourself, but inspire other people. And I just, I just do it differently. You know, mine is, is more just about learning how to kind of win the game all the time, right? Which is kind of the way that you go after it too, which is so funny. Um, but it's just, it's exciting to me to like, you know, have you as my brother and to read your stuff and to realize how much we really are the same. And I don't know if you feel that way when you like watch or read my stuff. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. You do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just taking a different angle. Different angle, different angle, very similar message. Um, so yeah, so I just, I wanted to touch on, first of all, if it's okay, if I start with the last book that you wrote, okay, which is No One Gets There Alone. It's a fantastic book. I love it because the book is filled with humanitarian spirit, okay? Like this is the kind of book that, if you pick it up and you read it, it doesn't really matter where you go. You're, you found a way to inspire somebody in the moment, right? 
which is, is awesome. And that's what we're all looking for, right? <laughs> in most moments, we want to feel good. We want to feel that type of inspiration. And you were one of the first people I thought of when I, when I thought of doing this show. You know, you are good enough. Because we've really been raised from a foundation of believing in the lack mentality and that we are not good enough. And I mean, we could talk about all day where this began. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why it began, but I do know that it starts, you know, when we're small, you know, just crawling around. But what I want to talk about is, is how important it is for people to know that they can find a way to be inspired. You know, I can pick up your book and be inspired. People can go to this show and they can become inspired and hopefully walk away with some practical, you know, perspectives and tools and things that they can incorporate in their own lives to feel better. Um, I have a lot I want to ask, um, but I wanted to share that about the book um, because I was really touched by it. Nice. I guess I'm curious to know, and you've written six books. Okay, that's like, in what amount of time has that been, by the way? What year uh, was it? That my, fir my first book came out in 2010. Okay, wow, yeah. yeah. That's every two years, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. And, and, and I realized the inspiration. Can you, tell, can you tell our audience, like, what was the inspiration for this book? Because this is, this is what I talk about all the time. Um, can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, um, I was set up to do a, a race, a half Ironman which is 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and then 13.1 mile run. And there were only a couple of issues with this. Number one is I hadn't really been training for this race. Uh, the second was, is I didn't even own a bike. Biking's not my thing. I hadn't biked in about 10 years. And third is this race was in two weeks. So I did what any insane person does. Like I signed up for it. And I've always been in shape. Yeah. But the reason why I signed up for it is because I liked it. I really just had to answer that question. If I didn't stop, if I just keep going, if I never give up, would I finish? Mm -hmm. And the answer was yes. You know, I could do that. I could just keep finishing. Well, you know, 10 days of training, you know, trying to get ready for this race. And then I'm at mile 30 on the bike and my back tire goes flat. Now, not being a biker, I wasn't prepared to handle the situation. And... I'm, I'm stuck on the side of the road and about five minutes passed. And the guy actually stops his own race and asks me if I know what I'm doing, if I have anything, so I don't have anything. And he gets off his bike and says, well, let's get you fixed. So this, this other racer, right? This other competitor stops his own race to help an idiot, right? A moron, somebody not prepared to handle the situation and changes my tire. And the only part that I could really ask myself, the question I asked myself after that race and that, that resonated with me was, would you stop? And the answer up to that point was no, I really wouldn't have given it a thought. And I don't think it had anything to do with like life. I think it had to do with this was a race, like in competition, you do your absolute best. And, you know, I feel bad for the guy if he had a problem. But what that did is from that moment on, that changed my whole perspective on life and my attitude and outlook. And so just for an example, you know, so I just finished a full Ironman. That was a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile run. And I went into the whole attitude. The whole attitude going in the race was, 
uh, number one, enjoy it. And the second one is who can I help? And on the bike itself, there was a guy who had a flat tire and I didn't hesitate for a second. I pulled over to the side of the road and, and went and, and was able to help. Oh my God. And, <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I did that. And because the reason is, it's like, would you stop? It's a question that needs to be answered before right. it's even asked. Because if we're driving on the side of the road, how long do we even have to think whether we're going to help somebody who's pulled over? A half a second, maybe? Yeah. So we have to already be in that attitude, that mindset of we're going to focus on other people. Yeah. And, um, and that, was, that was why that book, you know, was written. Yeah. It is a better us makes a better you and a better you makes a better us. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And what I love about you is... I mean, one thing that I do is that you're, you're brave enough to stop and ask yourself those questions, right? You're brave enough to ask yourself if you would do the same. And what's so awesome is that you were able to realize what your response was, number one, which was no, probably not, because the way that you look at, you know, the race was probably somewhat limited right? It was a little bit of a limited belief as far as what is it that we're doing here, right? And I just think it's powerful that you ask yourself these questions, you know, because I know you over the years and you've asked yourself these questions. And in order for us to all feel free and happy in our lives authentically is to be able to look in the mirror and to be able to like who it is that's looking back at us. And if we have the regrets, right? Because I'll tell you right now, and you know it too, if the roles had been reversed in the half marathon, okay, you probably wouldn't have stopped, right? No, I wouldn't have stopped. But you know what? I bet you anything, it would have kept coming around again in your mind, right? And there's a part of us that wishes we had the moment back again or we're not feeling proud, something gets our attention. You know what I mean? So I think it's really cool that you actually had the opportunity at the legitimate, like the full Ironman, to, to actually do that for somebody. That's so cool. Yeah, and I think like when we feel that pull, what you kind of just talked about, when we feel that pull, um, you know, it's so easy just to dismiss it, not act on it, where I think that's our gut, that's our intuition, you know, that's our higher power, whatever we want to lean on. Mm -hmm. And and we got to act then mm -hmm. and not to second guess ourselves or to overthink it, but to act on that. Right. Totally, totally agreed. And what I love is the angle that you that you've taken, you know, because I talk about how you know, together we're stronger. When we're separate, we're really not as strong. Right? And we see that in the universe. We see that in nature. We see that with birds and the way that they fly. You know, they actually use the wingspan of other birds to keep them you know, up. And that's, that's it. As above, so below, right? I mean, it's, we're, all, we're all the same. You know? We look all around. And, and it always feels better. Right. Think about the interaction, like the, those guys that stopped for you. You know, I know there was one guy that gave you the tire kit. And then the next guy is the one who actually helped physically with the tire. Yeah. Both guys made a big impression on you. They actually changed your life. Mm -hmm. OK, they changed your perspective. Right. And it's funny. I remember you being a really competitive kid. OK, um, 
and I wasn't at home, but I sense and remember conversations about you being super de duper uh, competitive and having to win. And it's funny, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really been that way, but I was thinking as I was reading this book, I was thinking, wow, wow, that is, you've really changed so much in that way because you've adopted a different perspective on the bigger picture, you know, the, the bigger reason why we are here to be of service to others. And that's a human need, right? I mean, we all want to feel like we are giving um, beyond ourselves, giving to the greater good, because it just inspires us to do more and to feel better about ourselves. So that's really cool. Um, and I want to talk too about a few things. So a lot of people who tend to come to me are millennials and generation Xers. And at this time, I feel like everybody is feeling the pain of what we've known as life so far in ways, right? We see it in the media. I see it in people's personal lives. I'm sure you do as well. Um, and I find that the younger generations see so much that isn't in alignment with like truth in a lot of ways or something's not adding up right the way that we've done it we always do that generate gener generationally uh generationally um we always look back and say okay we're gonna do it better right and i know that when you were younger um and you were in college you had an event that completely shifted your life and i want you to share that with us in a minute if that's okay but what I want to ask you is what I like to go to get to when I interview people is that moment when we have things that are trying to get our attention in our lives, but we're not quite heeding the call, right? It's almost like the soul is speaking to us and saying, hey, pay attention to this. It's not, it's not working for you, right? But for whatever reason, we keep moving forward with our own plan. Um, it could be because we made a decision a long time ago to stick with something, or we have a rule set, we have a model of the world that keeps us locked in so that we don't feel like we have the freedom to change our mind, to do things differently, to go in a different direction. So I'm curious to know, and I want you to share with us, this uh, big event that happened for you when you were in college, because that was another huge game changer in your life, I know. And I love it when we can all listen to somebody else's story and learn from it. So, so I guess the other thing I wanna hear through the story is, was there something that was trying to get your attention at that time, but you weren't really listening? You know, you weren't really heeding the call and then you had this catastrophic event happen to you. Um, so does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, do you want me to just share the story? Yeah, I do, and then I'll, I'll okay. yeah, thanks. Um, so when I was uh, probably in high school, um, you know, I really discovered partying, I think, big time, and I was A plus in that. And I went to a small division two school uh, to walk on for the baseball team. And when I got there, um, you know, I did what any college kid does. You know, I just started partying except harder. I mean, 
And so this was, uh, this was after midnight one night. And I always say like nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> and, um, you know, we were, uh, we were partying for some reason we're partying near like a cliff and I end up walking off, you know, this, this cliff it was about an 80 foot cliff. I didn't push, I, I, you know, I wasn't pushed. I didn't jump, but I was laying there conscious during the whole thing. And they had to crane me up out of this um, and took me to the hospital where, you know, my mom was a nurse and I had, uh, so I had broken my arm, um, you know, severe pain in my back, fractured my back, had just a gaping hole out of my head. Um, and, and, but I was alive, you know, and I, I could move. So I was there. That happened on a Friday. Um, I was back to school on that Monday. And, you know, just in now, I'm just, that, that's the kid that fell off that cliff. Like, can you believe that? And just an extreme amount of pain. And, um, and then baseball was done, you know, at that point. So from that moment on, like, there was a lot of pain leading into college. And then there was a whole lot more pain. And I think a lot of the pain was like, you know, just how bad I'd messed up, like at that moment. And, um, you know, that was a pain that stuck, you know, a long time because, you know, I, I, I could have played in, in college. Um, you know, that was always a dream of mine. I always loved that sport. But uh, so the, the, what was, what was the outcome of that was simply this. And when I went and did the Ironman, I stopped by my alma mater and I, I took my first psychology class that next year. And when I was in that class, that was the moment. And that was a great professor. That was the moment. His name was Dr. Joe Merce. And I knew at that point, I was like, I'm, I don't, I'm doing something in this field. I don't care what it is. Hmm. And, you know, throughout my whole life, sports was always, um, you know, number one. I mean, I take the Pepsi challenge and anybody when it comes to knowledge of all sports. And when I, when I took that class, I probably wouldn't have taken it if, if that hadn't happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, once that happened, I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was tattooed there and, you know, in my heart and my, in my spirit. I wish I got my act together even then. Uh, but I still had a lot of trials, tribulations for the next couple of years, but I was really given another shot uh, especially later on and I wasn't going to blow it. Okay. That's, that's cool. That's amazing. And that's, I mean, you know, the way your story began is like most college kids. You're absolutely right. It's the age, right? It's, 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 you know, it's, it's a rite of passage. Is that what they, they say, you know, to start drinking, you know, it's like, that's where a lot of focus goes in, in school or has gone in school. And did you feel that it was ever excessive before that happened? I'm just curious. You know, when you're young, you just think you're going to live forever. We do feel invincible. I mean, maybe not the kids today because there's life has really changed. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, st I, I got kicked off my high school soccer team for partying. Um, oh, I think I remember that. Okay. You know, that was, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was for having pot. You know? oh. I got kicked off the night before. Uh, the first game. And I mean, that caused a whole lot of pain, you know, because I grew up in a small town where everyone knows your name. And then I was now a troubled kid. And, um, you know, what do you do when you're in pain? Well, you take care of that pain. You solve that pain. I only knew one coping mechanism and that was to, uh, to self-medicate, to drink. And, and that's then what I did, you know, that, um, that temporarily took care of the pain, right? It's a cause and solution to all of life's problems. So, right. 
it uh yeah i mean that was that was that's where that train was headed that entire time because yeah. of how bad um and excessive it had become right i uh i mean that's that's what's going on today you know that's that's what's going on today and i see that um you know not to take this in a whole different direction but this this is this is important to talk about though really because people are medicating and now you know now with a lot you know marijuana being legalized right and and not in all states but you know it's it's definitely legalized here where i am right and now it's become a big money maker and this that and the other and it's wonderful i mean there are medicinal sides to that but what i do know is that we've all learned right most of us have learned to attach to something because we're not strong enough to to deal and to to work through our pain and to understand that it's normal to be in pain right to be in pain to a certain degree i'm not saying we have to live that way every day but pain is an indicator of where we need to go right pain is definitely like a breadcrumb. That's the way I look at it. Um, but we really have learned to, to use things, whether it's, you know, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pills, whether it's, you know, recreational drugs, hard drugs, food, gambling, porn, whatever it is. I mean, we have, we are a society who have absolutely have turned away from ourselves in order to put out that fire. Right. And so now we see an absolute imbalance of people who you know i must say when you go to the hospital they don't want you to feel pain for a second okay um and i've been to the hospital a lot because i had a daughter who was like in and out all the time and the first thing they want to do is make sure you're not going to feel a thing and i'm thinking to myself you know because i'm i'm pretty just because of my journey and things i'm a little sensitive i'm sensitive to things anyway but i don't i try to look for an alternative like a homeopathic type of thing. And that usually works out just fine for me. But we, but sometimes we need bigger things. I totally get that. But I guess the point I'm making is, is that our sensitivity to feeling pain and being in emotional pain and those things has gotten to a place where we haven't quite learned that it's, it's not only okay, it helps us understand ourselves, what we're doing in our lives that's not working for us, right? Um, what those in our lives have done around us that have caused us pain um, or participated in our pain, I guess I'll say. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting because of, uh, you know, the pain, um, you know, shame and guilt. Yeah, terrible. And, and resentment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, those are ones that, that last and that they stay. And yeah. so like, how do we, and those are very, very difficult, I think, to navigate through, um, you know, not that I did something wrong and I made a mistake, but that I'm not good enough. Yeah. And when I'm not good enough, I got to find things that show me that I am good enough. Right. And and so that can take two paths. I can take down the negative path or that can take down a productive and, and how our journey then can help others path. And so this is, this is great that this is where this is going because 
I'm all about you are good enough, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm all about because I know what it feels like to feel the other way. And one thing I, I know is that we all do, and I don't know, you may not agree with this, I feel in my heart that we are all doing the very best we're capable of doing in every moment of the day with my history, my model of the world, right? My, my past experiences, the pain that I'm feeling related to who I'm speaking with in the moment, whatever it is. Because we often say things, actually, we often say things we're unaware of that hurt other people because other people are so ready to be hurt because that's the way things have been done for so long, right? We're, we've been shown by life that it's a difficult place to be and that we have to be on guard for the next battle, so to speak. Um, and I already feel bad about myself, so I'm ready, <laughs> you know, so. Well, and that's the thing, I mean, hurt people hurt people. Right, that's, that's the truth. Hashtag truth right there because, and, right, we learned that this is the way to be, right? Most people walking the planet right now has learned, they have learned this is a normal way to operate, right? When the truth of it is, we all are insecure, right? I think we're all perfect, and that encompasses perfection and non-perfection, right? The, both sides of the coin, you know, because I really feel like life is about both sides because that's what makes the complete circle, you know, with a penny or whatever it is. And in order for us to appreciate life and to feel good, we have to see that other side, that contrast, right? The duality to help us understand and discern next time, what kind of choice am I going to make next time? What kind of thing is going to come out of my mouth? You know, how responsible for myself am I going to be? Yeah. And you talk so much about self-responsibility which is a big one, you know, that I'm, I'm all about because I know that we have a choice in every moment. I know that we have a choice to either respond or react. Mm -hmm. It's just a different way of, you know, it's a more, I guess I'll say mature, right? It's a wiser way of being, stepping into our higher self. Um, and that's so much about what you write about and what you've learned. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and from my standpoint, and, you know, since, since pain is a huge part of life, I like to choose my pain, and I like to pick in what areas that I'm going to voluntarily choose to suffer. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, and Viktor Frankl said this, like, we get, we get meaning in our lives through suffering. So being able to come through on the other side, that which, you know, we, we struggled with, that's the only time we really appreciate anything is if we really, really struggled for something. If stuff comes easy to us, how much joy is there? How much appreciation? Well, the society now, everything comes easy to us. Everything is, is a microwave success. And how much appreciation is there? It's only when we strive and struggle and really have to work to get that. And that is, is through pain. And so what I mean by that, again, is like, you know, I really believe that when we physically exert ourselves, we are meant to move in one way or another. Um, when we have that goal that we really set to it and we put our mind to it, 
that's when, and that's, that's suffering, right? I mean, to be able to, I'm not saying everybody's got to go out there and run 26.2 miles or do an Ironman, but when we have that goal and we put everything towards it, boy, the perspective and the gratitude then changes in our life where that cup of coffee or that pancake now we're eating, man, it tastes so great because of the suffering that we just kind of went through. And that was a choice that we had to make. Um, and that, that's the attitude that I've always you know, taken in that is we get meaning through our suffering and let's, let's pick it. And so it's, it's funny because I would never use that word suffering. I mean, I, I agree with that. We, we learn so much through pain, right? And that, you know, what I was talking about a little bit about medicating, you know, so we don't have to feel the pain, you know, and, you know, I've known, clients who've been on multiple drugs, right? Trying to run from the foundation of the issue, you know, in their lives. And I hear what you're saying about the suffering. It's, it's overcoming whatever it is. Like if it's a goal, right? And you set out to run 26 miles and you achieve it, well, that shows you a lot about yourself. You know, it just, it makes you feel so much better in so many ways. You've accomplished a lot of different things through deciding to run that distance, you know, that's, there's a lot of things, a lot of, uh, you know, happinesses to that whole thing. But I think in my, in myself, you know, I'm all about not suffering in a way, right? Because I do believe that we learn through pain, but I feel like, and, and I don't know, maybe we're, we're talking the same thing, but we're saying it differently. This is really kind of funny. Um, so I like people to not suffer. Mm -hmm. And I guess the way I look at suffering, right, is staying in, in a situation that could be a way of suffering, right? Like staying in a relationship for 20 years when you know it expired a long, long time ago. But the, but the suffering has to get so bad, right, to be able to, to make a move forward away from it, right? Mm -hmm. the, the fear has to become less. The fear of moving forward has to become less than the suffering of staying in that sure. situation, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where I look at, well, to choose your suffering. Do you want to choose and stay right. with that partner, which we have little control over, but we're suffering, or... Do we want to choose the suffering of what it takes and the courage it takes to be able to leave and move? Because that's going to be suffering as well. Which one do we want to pick? Right. And or, I think, or, or, or pain, sorry. Or pain, right. You know, I mean, suffering, see, I look at suffering as though you are keeping yourself from being yourself, from being expansive, from doing, right? Yeah. But pain is our biggest motivator, yeah. right? I mean, I, I totally agree. Physical pain is a big motivator, right? Emotional pain is a big, that was yours, right? That was, that's been mine. I guess that's everybody's, right? Um, and, yeah. that's where I, and, and that's where I just look at it with, with suffering. And the reason why I look at it is because I just think there's such a, uh, there's a righteousness to it to be able to suffer and to come through it. Uh, everything then gives greater meaning to it. And we have more appreciation having gone through that. We connect with others. Um, and we have a greater perspective for, for everything around us when we go through those trials and tribulations. Yeah. 
I guess for some reason, I'm just the word suffering. I don't. I, yeah. I, well, I, I always pick that one up from Viktor Frankl, you know, Man's Search for Meaning, because he just talked about. Oh, oh, oh. The, okay. The I see. That we find it. I see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love, we can appreciate a lot more if we've suffered for a really long time, right? We appreciate much, much more if there's long term suffering. Um, yeah. We take so much for granted that it's not, we, I don't think we can help it. You know, I mean, I, I take every morning when I get ice out to, um, you know, before I go work out, I'll get ice out and put it in my, in my cup, you know, for ice water. And, uh, and I take that ice for granted. I know. So and true. I, I can't help it. So yeah. when, when we work for something, that's when we just really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And, wow. and, and that's life. I mean, no matter what we want to do, we really want something we're going to have to go through that, that pain period and how bad do we want it? Right. Totally, totally agree. Let me ask you a question. So what was your, what's been your biggest aha moment so far in your life? Well, I've had a lot of them. You, yeah, I know. And, it, and sometimes it's, it's tough to say. Okay, which I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say this one. Um, okay. So I mean, I was always athletic and people would say, well, you know, some of the athletic achievements, um, I've never been afraid of that. I've never been afraid of, you know, putting myself out there and failing and looking stupid. Like that doesn't bother me. I love that about you, by the way. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I'd say the biggest aha moment was I never studied at all in high school and I got straight B's. When I got to college, you know, I had to study but I was never, never really a writer. I never became a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and I was a horrible writer, even graduating college. When I got to grad school, you know, you have to write. And mm -hmm. my writing was horrible. When I was able to write a thesis, and every time I get that thing back and it's tore up, and I got to rewrite it and rewrite it, and it taught me, like, look, there's no good writing. There's only good rewriting. Yeah, right. And... But when I wrote that and then it was finally done, finally done, like, because I thought it was done, it wasn't even done. Like, there was more work to do. And when that thing got done, yeah. it was such an aha moment that I, I, can, I can write now. And that's cool. I would never have said, uh, you know, I would have been writing books and, and doing that. But um, six. Yeah. And that, that was, that was the big one, I think, you know, a lot that I always get back to. I never really share that one a lot cause it's not sexy, you know, but it, it was writing that thesis and yeah. getting that manuscript done where it has to be perfect from the right. margins, yeah. you know, to the letter size, everything has to be absolutely perfect. And I had a professor that pushed and had to be perfect. God bless the so, professor, you know? Yeah. yeah. So here's a question. That's an awesome story. And I find it very sexy, okay? Because uh, just so you know, it, it's a big one. If you had, you know, were you fearful of writing or did you feel insecure about your writing ability? Was it something you were aware of? So I, I think it's, it's just like anything. I mean, if you want to be a good runner, you got to run. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to, you know, be a good, uh, you know, blacksmith, then you have to work with that. So I believe that we can be great at anything, but they, it takes right. a long time. i never, I wasn't a good writer and I never really wanted to be until I had to be. Were so you, just, did you avoid it? Well, 
Were you avoiding it? Because oftentimes I find with people, they've avoided something that they're really here to do, okay? So I help people kind of face that, right? And I know what it was for me was to, to do exactly probably what I'm doing in a lot of ways. But was it like that for you with the writing? I, you know, I never really thought about it like that. Like, was I avoiding writing? I just knew I wasn't good at it. But the other part was, is until it's our only option, yeah. Then what other option is there? We got yeah. nothing else. This is what we have to do. And yeah. that's, that's what it became. True. And, true. and so people then ask, okay, well, how do you do it? And I thought this was an important part and I've, I've used it for, I used it for my dissertation for every book I wrote for one hour every day. And that's how I got it done. So no matter where I was in the whole situation, then I stopped it at that point at a good leaving off point, but it was one hour of complete and utter focus that I would write one hour every single day and I never missed a day. That's how, whenever I start writing my books, that's what I do as well. I did, I did read that, yeah. And that's great discipline, fantastic. Yeah. Because you know what, it's, it's really about the consistency, about the process. I know what it's like to write you know, a book and you, you know, people say, oh my God, you're so committed. You're so, how do you, the discipline, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what, I, I have no choice. I want to achieve this, yep. I have to do it. And therefore I have to find something that works for me. And I have to say consistency. Consistency over such a period of time, anything yeah. can be achieved. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. Um, let's if we see. never give up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so here's another question I'd like to ask. And, you know, I'm a little farther ahead in the game of life with years, right? Um, but I, one thing I know is that, or one thing I feel in my heart is that we are going to be continually learning, right? Until the day we actually leave this planet. And I always find it fascinating when great teachers and speakers and people who have shared their experience um, much of, the relation to pain, you know, much of the pain that's taught them so much in their lives. What are you working through right now? What What is the, the thing that you're trying to, you know, balance in life or um, figure out more about? Or is there something you would like to share? I mean, that may be too personal, but is there anything you feel like sharing about your process just in your life right now? Um, and you sure. have small children too, you know, that's the other thing. You have two younger children. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at it. Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to be better. I try to be, I want to be the best husband and best father I can be. Oh, God. And so when I, when I put that, um, you know, every time I talk with my kids, it has to be from that standpoint of um, how much I believe in them, how much I love them. Yeah. I mean, I think they get sick of it because, I smother, I smother them with love, you know, and, uh, yeah. but I want them to know, you know, how important that they are. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a lot of times, like, especially when they were born, it was a lot easier for me to be a good father. than I thought than a good husband, because a good husband then is being, um, uh, you know, I have got to be vulnerable as a husband. I've got to communicate more as a husband. Um, and I think, I think from that standpoint, that's, how how do we get better at that and that's that's the, that's the journey yeah 
That's cool. And it's, it's a learning process too. You know, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's one thing to be married, right? It's another thing to have children because children, not only does your partner, right? Teach you how to grow. Okay. And trigger you, right? Because I really believe that relationship is all about, you know, choosing someone who's going to trigger our deepest wounds, if you will. And you're on your journey together and then you decide to procreate, right? And then you bring in other people into the mix and they have their own personalities and ways of doing things and, or, or limitations, you know, or things that trigger us again. Like our children are here, I believe, to teach us so much in life. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, we always learn more from, from others than, than we teach them. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I just yeah. know that my kids have been, um, you know, and mine are a lot older, of course, but in some ways, my greatest teachers, you know, and probably because of the journey like I've had with, you know, with, with my youngest, but, um, but it's, it's truly amazing. So you're on, so that's your thing. You're, you're trying to be the very best husband and dad you can possibly be. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Now, so then, now so, then that, so then that takes working on myself as well. It does. It's because yeah. it's, really, it's yeah. tough to give away what you don't have. Exactly. I mean, I say that all the time. I say that to couples all the time. You know, they come to see me and I'm like, you know, here's the scoop. You can't, you can't give to another that which you don't first give to yourself. So I know the truth is I know how to make every marriage amazing. And that is each individual being self-responsible, working on their own stuff and, and taking responsibility, you know, because truth is when we get together with another person, I call it a, a marriage account, you know, we're either making deposits or withdraws mm -hmm. with every conversation, with everything right all day long and at the end of the day where's your bank account right it's like what did you put in and what did you take away it could have been a you know a one-liner right. a zinger you know it could have been right yeah yeah what's interesting is that the people that are close to us the most those are the people that um that sometimes we're the harshest to the people that we care about the most, yeah. <laughs> uh, we cause them the most pain. You know? yeah. And uh, only bring that up is, is just because the power of, uh, you know, our words and our actions. It's true. It's totally true. But at the same time, it's the place where we can love the deepest and be most vulnerable. Yes. Thank you for putting that twist on. I appreciate that. Well, that's because it. that's, because I think that's what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get to that place is if we start owning what we're saying, what our behavior is, um, lack of empathy, whatever it is, right? Because we've all had those moments in relationships, men and women alike. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, if, if things aren't okay in the, in the four walls of our home there, um, they're not going to be okay, you know, outside of them. So right. we are, I believe that, you know, we're here, yeah, and we'll be judged on the quality of our relationships with people. Yeah, totally agree. And I would also agree that what you haven't experienced is what you want. Like when it comes to child raising, I know it's not true for every parent, but I wanted my kids to have a good childhood. 
you know? I wanted, I was highly inspired to make sure that my relationships were really good with my kids because I didn't feel like I had that, right? And what a gift to be able to give that, you know? Um, and I see your motivation with that as well, you know? It's really important to you to show up and to be there and to support. Um, so yeah, mine's simple. I like I never want my kid to say, Dad, let's go play catch. And for me to say, eh, I can't I right can. now. Yeah. Uh I think it's really important to be able to drop everything I'm doing. Now again, if I say just give me a give me five minutes and I yeah. will, like, but but to be able to do that. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because we grew up with the generation that didn't have time, right? Um they didn't have time. They didn't feel like it, whatever. It was more about the parent, right? And, and what was going on with them more so than what I see today. And so I'm a different parent, right? And, and now I'm, I'm in a group of parents who have enabled. <laughs> sure. We'll talk about this one all day long because I, I feel like this is such, such a, such a big conversation about how we have enabled our children to a point where they get to college and they're, they're pushing boundaries. You think you partied? Wow. They took what you did and they've turned it up, way up, because everyone is, is just searching, I feel, you know? Um, yeah, the enabling thing has been something that definitely this group of parents have done. And I know now that, and that, and that you know, so I, see, I feel like I'm in the middle. I see like the younger generations who are raising children now and the older. And I really think it's about, it's about being honest and open and having that depth of relationship and also finding balance, you know, and, and showing like you're showing your kids, you know, um, I know they're doing a walkathon, you know, for school, right. Um, you guys do, you do a 5k as a family, right. Every Thanksgiving. Something. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a couple. Yeah. Yeah, you guys do things like that together, and it's just awesome. You know, it teaches so much about being together, the pack. You know, which is really important for kids to feel like they're part of something, right? Not just themselves; they belong. They're part of something. Um, so I love it. I value it, and um, and that's it. I, I feel like I could talk to you all day. We've no, almost an hour. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we say bye for now? No, I just think the biggest thing is, um, you know, it's, it's a connection with others and the way that we get outside of our own head is to focus on others. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we neglect ourselves. Right. But what it means is that when we're having issues, the way that we get outside of our own head is to reach out, be of service, reach yeah. out. Yeah. Problems are still going to be there, but we're not focused on them anymore. And, and I'd like to just take it one step further and say, when we get out of our head, right, which, you know, I think is what you're talking about, getting out of your own drama, your own moment, and actually going to lend a hand to somebody else in some way, whether it's a phone call, taking them out to lunch, whatever it is, helping with something. Yep. It helps us feel better about whatever it is that we're going through, right? Because we gain so much more from being a part of something more than just ourselves. Yeah. You know, so that's awesome. Um, I appreciate you, Kim. 
Yeah, no, I appreciate you too, Rob. And thank you so much. Um, it's been awesome. And I want to invite you back. I, I just feel Thanks. like we're going to be doing this again. And I appreciate you so much taking the time. And, uh, and that's right. it. So, thank you. Okay, everybody. Thank you. You are good enough. All right, go get them. Talk to you soon.